Okay. Welcome back, everybody, to your ex-boyfriend's podcast. Uh, this is episode six, and episode six is titled Trading the Pen for a Hammer. I'm guessing that some of you will guess what I'm going to address in this episode, and you're probably right. <laughs> but before we get into that, I wanted to continue with the segment that I started, old business, and uh, specifically to address um, some comments that I received about last week's episode, the friendship episode. I got some comments, um, questions regarding what I was saying um, about the relationships you choose being um, of a different type than the relationships that you're born into. Basically, the family versus friends question. And that quote that I had at the end of the episode, the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb. What I meant was not so much that the relationships that you choose are better than family because that is you know pretty clearly not true healthy familial relationships are pretty essential to um life in general not saying they're all that's essential but a lot of argument could be made for them being you know necessary however what i was saying was that you can make those familial type relationships with people that aren't necessarily related to you by blood and that just by like i said just by nature of the choosing each other makes for a different, not better, but different kind of relationship. In my case, like I talked about last episode, those friends that I mentioned, that core group of friends, are, I would say that they're closer to brothers, to me, than friends at this point. I grew up with no brothers. I have two wonderful sisters. Shout out to you two. Angelia, Elizabeth, this is your official shout out. Episode six. <laughs> um, but I had no brothers. And those four guys that I mentioned are at this point indistinguishable to me. So I think that that clarifies any questions or comments you guys had about what I meant last week. Okay, so this week is trading the pen for a hammer. 
this is a pretty um uh near and dear to my heart topic specifically what i'm talking about here is the tendency for our young people our students our children to be pushed into college and debt and a specific narrow track without any consideration for other options or what that student might want or if it's even good for them. In high school, I remember, and I, I've confirmed this with pretty much everybody in my peer group. Everybody I know that's close to my age or close enough has confirmed that this was the case for them as well. In high school, all that was pushed in regards to post-graduation, you know, what we were going to do after senior year, all that was pushed was college. We heard daily from sometime in junior year that you had to go to college. It was the only real, like, viable option for you. And if you didn't go to college, you were a loser. Like, I remember, you know, we had the whole guidance counselor's office that was dedicated to, quote-unquote, preparing students for post-graduation. But all I remember was getting fed on a regular basis the idea that if I didn't go to college, if I wanted to go into the if I wanted to go to work, if I wanted to join the military, if I wanted to take a gap year and travel and, you know, maybe experience life after high school, if I wanted to do any of those things, then I was bound for failure. I was a loser that I was going to have a tough time and nobody was going to like me and my hair was going to fall out and I was going to die at age 43. Yeah, of course, the guidance counselor didn't say that per se. But that's what I heard. <laughs> and that's what everybody else in my peer group heard. If any of y'all who are, you know, somewhere in the age between 25 and 35 want to reach out to me and just reconfirm that and want to talk about it, you want to cry about it, <laughs> please feel free because that that is, as far as I can tell, a pretty solid consensus. That's what we heard in high school. And not only did it come from our educational mentors, our teachers, our counselors, it came from our parents and our coaches and our instructors. And even we heard, because we were children with spongy brains that were still forming and, and, and subjected to, or subject, what am I trying to say? 
we we parroted what we heard we started to believe what we heard we heard it from everywhere that college was the way forward and if you didn't get a scholarship and if you didn't come from money you were gonna get a loan but i'm gonna get into that in two a second i'm getting ahead of myself we were told this by the previous generation because that's what they knew and i want to i'm saying this because i do not put put geez i do not put blame on people like like my parents i don't blame them but that's what they knew their generation had the ability to afford college they had a viable career path if they wanted after college the jobs that colleges were training students for were available in numbers sufficient to support the graduating classes of america so i don't necessarily i don't i don't blame them at all they were going off of what they knew and what they had been taught and what their own experiences were no harm no foul <laughs> you know i even remember talking to my parents at, i think i was talking to my dad actually i think he's the one that said this i remember talking to them or him about what i was going to do after i graduated high school and it's always stuck with me and and i think we've even talked about it since then uh especially you know after things went for me the way they went <laughs> which we're going to get into but i i remember my dad telling me that it's better to shower before work than after meaning get you a job that you don't have to sweat and get dirty at for anybody who knows me personally who's listening you know how funny that is now considering what i do <laughs> oh man okay so but that's what we were told we heard that every day for years we weren't given any education on anything that was outside the realm of higher two to four year plus years of education we heard nothing about the skilled trades we were taught nothing about traveling and seeing other parts of the country or the world we knew nothing of investment or finances or borrowing intelligently or what the job market was going to be like after we were graduated high school or college we knew nothing about the stock market we knew nothing about the likelihood of employment in any one given field we were not given any sort of guidance on making intelligent decisions at an age when that is literally all we needed was to be guided 17 excuse me 16 17 and 18 year olds are dumb right and then we tell them hey by the way we need you to decide how the rest of your life is gonna go and what you're gonna do for the rest of your years on this planet and by the way 
it's going to cost a shit ton of money that you are going to have to pay back for a large portion of the rest of your life. And actually, the job that you're going to get after you graduate this, you know, however long you spend in college, after you graduate, the job you get is going to be spent making money to pay back the loan in which the the loan which you used to get educated to get that job <laughs> and that's the primary purpose of the job not to give you satisfaction or lend to the quality of your life or help you find purpose or even contribute to society in any other meaningful way the the purpose of that job is to pay back your loan. Okay, that was a bit of a rant. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and we weren't actually told like 90% of that. That That is just all the sinister undertones of what we were being told. Which was basically, go to school. If you can't afford it, get a loan. And that's what you're supposed to do. The autopilot that I talked about earlier at the beginning of this podcast weeks ago, the autopilot was in full force for all of us. It's insane. I've mentioned before how much of a man crush I have on Mike Rowe, who is a staunch proponent of educating our children on their options and teaching them the value of working with your hands, basically. He has, in the past, said this so many times, but it's been condensed into a singular quote, and you know I love quotes, which is this. He said, we're lending money that we don't have to kids who can't pay it god dang it he said we're lending money that we don't have to kids who can't pay it back in order to train them for jobs that no longer exist that's nuts end quote thank you micro it is it's fucking nuts it's insane it's what we're all told to do. And the purpose of this episode is to maybe plant the seed in some of y'all who are going to have kids in the near future or who might currently have children that are getting up to this age. Or maybe you are at this point in your life where you're like, dang, what do I do? I'm trying to plant the seed that there are options and there's stuff that's not being talked about, and it's not being talked about for a reason. So as you all might have guessed, I'm pretty passionate <laughs> about this stuff. And if you know me, you know why. But for those of you that don't know me personally, or maybe don't know my story as well, here's a little bit about justice. So as I was growing up, going through primary school, K through 12, I was super smart. 
and I use quotes around super smart. It took no effort for me to be good at school. The school system that I was a part of um, did not really present me any challenges. So I sailed through all my classes. I was always somewhere near the top of the class. I think I graduated high school with uh, some ridiculous GPA, like 3.99. I think in all my years of high school, and I just use high school because that's what I can remember the best. I think I might have gotten two A minuses in classes. Out of four years of classes, two of them I had an A minus in, and that dropped my GPA to 3.99. The whole time I was in high school, high school, like I said, everybody was pushing college. That was how your merit was judged, was are you prepared to go to college? Um, and that's what I absorbed. And then if you go further back, pretty much my whole life, including now, I have wanted to be a pilot. That has been my number one dream since as far back as I can remember. And I'm fairly certain it was because th- the start of it was because I watched Star Wars and Luke Skywalker was piloting his X-Wing through the Death Star. And I was like, you know what? That dude knows what's up. That's what I want to do. Uh, so wanted to be a pilot going through high school you find out that one of the ways that you can do that i don't want to say most efficiently but a surefire way to get the opportunity to be a pilot is to go into the military as an officer and one of the paths well some of the paths that you can take to that are you either get accepted to one of the military academies you go to college and go through ROTC, or you enlist in the military. And I can't remember all the terms for it, but essentially you work your way up from enlisted to you go to officer school, and then at some point you'll get the opportunity to be a pilot because only officers get to fly airplanes in any of the military branches. So what I decided to do was apply for a Naval ROTC scholarship and go to college on the Navy's dime, get a degree, and then after college, I'd be a commissioned officer in the United States Navy. I was successful in the scholarship part. I got a scholarship and um, accepted to Penn State University. What they don't tell you right off the bat, though, when you're going through that process, is that the scholarship only covers tuition and books and fees it does not cover lodging or transportation or any other expenses you might have come up so what you do like many many students do or prospective students is you take out federal loans which is exactly what i did which by the way it is insane as again having children take out tens of thousands of dollars worth of federal loans at a time in which they can't even function on a day-to-day basis because their brains are still developing. (laughs) Anyway, that's how I attended college. 
in the beginning. I went to school. Turns out, actual real life school, way harder than I was used to. And I did not know how to deal with that. I did not know how to study. I did not know how to even like learn anything that I couldn't get immediately. I did not know how to struggle. I did not know how to fail or try to overcome. It was a nightmare. And side note, this was all very expensive because I was going to an expensive out-of-state school. The scholarship covered a lot of it, the majority of it, but all those lodging expenses, crazy expensive. Okay, so didn't know how to succeed. I had not set myself up or been set up for success. Long story short, I dropped out of school after two and a half years. I got through the first semester of my junior year, and at that point, I was so overwhelmed and had barely been squeaking by on my classes that I had what you might consider a meltdown. (laughs) And could not function in school. I was completely overwhelmed and out of my element and had made too many poor decisions and failed too many classes and look was looking at the mounting bill that just kept getting larger and larger every semester. And I decided in my junior year that I, I needed to drop out, which meant sacrificing the scholarship it meant sacrificing a commission in the united states navy and it meant sacrificing at least through that path my goal of being a a pilot and for somebody who knows me you know how devastating that was so following that decision I was really poor because I had a mountain of debt and no job when I dropped out and no prospects really at that point um, because I was stuck out of state living in a basement that I later figured out was totally illegal for, for rental that should not have been a unit that I was allowed to live in. I was killing wasps that lived somewhere in the house that were attacking me in my sleep and I would leave their carcasses strewn about the floor. The basement had no heating and no window. Um, so I was always cold and it was terrible. Really, really bad time of my life. (laughs) I was able to move back to Washington following that nightmare, um, by the grace of my grandfather who came out and uh, loaded up his truck with all of my meager possessions and drove me back to Washington. And I will forever be in his debt, even though he won't look at it like that and he will refuse any sort of 
repayment. I mean, I couldn't even repay it in the first place. So thank you. Came back and started working menial jobs. And I don't mean menial. That's a bad word. I just started working some entry-level um, minimum wage jobs. And I want to be specific here. I want to be clear. There's nothing wrong with that. There's, I misspoke. There's nothing menial about doing those jobs. Our society places great importance on those jobs. As have you, we have all seen with the COVID pandemic, now they're essential. <laughs> you retail workers, you food workers, you're essential. That really is the truth. And they don't get treated that way. And that is a whole nother episode that's going to take way too long to dig into. <laughs> it is a damn shame. I keep getting distracted. I started working these minimum wage jobs. In 2013, I was made aware of the electrical construction trade. Basically, my girlfriend at the time had a coworker whose brother was an electrician and as I told you, I knew nothing about the skilled trades, um, blue collar work, the, the, the skills and knowledge that it takes to be a construction worker or a maintenance person or any sort of, have any sort of skill like that. I knew nothing. So when he, this brother of my girlfriend's coworker heard that I was looking for uh, a career and I wanted to get out of these entry-level jobs, he suggested that I apply for the electrical apprenticeship through the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers. That's the world's biggest union um, representing electrical workers. So at that point, I applied to the Puget Sound Electrical Joint Apprenticeship Training Commission. That's the school that educates apprentices in this area. I applied and was, by the grace of God, accepted. <laughs> that was the point, I think, at which my life took a turn for the better. It was the best decision that I had made in the last five years, which I was 23 at the time. That five years went back to my 18-year-old self, who was about to graduate from high school I had spent five years post high school with nothing concrete to show I had learned some valuable important life lessons but I had no money I had no degree and I had next to no skill set so I went into the apprenticeship when I got in, I was working at Costco as a stalker. <laughs> I was working in a retail environment, and I went in to the trade, to the electrical trade, knowing next to nothing. I could, I could hold a screwdriver and swing a hammer, and I had done minor, you know, handyman type stuff earlier in life uh, with my friend David. He and I had like a little private, you know, side gig going. Um, in the years after high school. 
but that was the extent of my you know blue collar sort of skilled trades knowledge i entered that trade school and that's when i started building what i have today i had a good job that was paying me to go to school and I was working when I wasn't in school, I had gotten a huge, like my, my income immediately increased by like 70%. And I was making next to minimum wage, um, when I was at Costco. Uh, so that was just, you know, phenomenal to start out at, I think I went from making like $11 an hour to almost, uh, 19. It was huge. Um, I had a, a steady, good job. Like we were in that, like just starting the boom post recession, things were starting to pick up hard. Um, I was learning every day on the job and I was learning in school every week. <sighs> After I got my five years of schooling in, I uh, got my electrical license. I turned out as a journeyman electrician, a wireman. I had this massive skill set that I had spent the last five years cultivating. I had the skill set and a career laid out for me. But I had laid a career out for me through hard work um, that, if I wanted to, could support me the rest of my life, could support any family that I wanted to have in the future. I learned a lot. I learned how to fail. I learned how to be bad at something and get better. I learned how to n go into a situation in which I was ultimately unknowledgeable, unprepared, and through my own hard work and perseverance and dedication to, to getting better, through all of those things, learn to succeed. Um, I spent some time working in construction. I spent those five years as an apprentice and then a couple years as a journeyman. At which point, I was just applying for um, like maintenance jobs just on a whim. I knew I wanted to transition into a, a more of a maintenance position uh, at some point, whether it be private company or government or public whatever i i knew i wanted to do that at some point because those jobs also pay well um and also offer a career but they also give you stability you know you're gonna have a job in the same place every day for the foreseeable you know who knows how long for a long time uh and and that's just something that the construction side of things doesn't offer because you get moved around a lot and you get laid off a lot, which is totally fine. You go back out to work, but the stability of working in the same place every day is nice. And specifically like with the government, you get those juicy government benefits. <laughs> um, and I was just applying to see what I needed to do in the next couple years to get ready for a position like that, like how much experience I needed, what they were looking for, what I would need to do to make myself a viable candidate. Lo and behold, I ended up 
getting a job offer from one of those applications. I'm not going to say exactly where because if anybody is listening to this, I don't exactly want everybody to know where specifically it is that I work. (laughs) But I ended up getting one of those jobs specifically for a government institution. If I can toot my own horn here, I feel like it was the culmination or a culmination of everything that I had improved on, everything I had learned in the previous, you know, seven, eight years, because not only am I current, well, I should say, not only am I the youngest person in my department by a large margin, I want to say it's like five years. I'm also the youngest person to ever hold the the position that I currently have in the history of this particular government um, body. (laughs) So toot toot. (laughs) Uh, Seeing as now how I now work for the government, the pay is great. The opportunities for advancement, education, excellent. I have a good retirement. If I wanted to stay there you know, for the rest of my career, I could and do so comfortably. Lots of doors open for me there. As to what the future holds for me personally, I don't know. You know, things are always in flux. And the person that I am now um, is always trying to progress and move forward and go through any doors that are open to me. So we'll see. But I'm in a good place now, and it took a while to get there. I was 29 when I got hired on at my current place of employment. Blue-collar work is nothing to be ashamed of. As we were told our whole lives, it's nothing to hide the people, and you'll have to excuse me if I get choked up here. <laughs> um, this is very near and dear to my heart. The people that come home with dirt on their hands are not lesser. These jobs that we look down on are necessary to the way our society operates. We depend unequivocally on the men and women who collect our garbage, who operate the sewage treatment facilities, who literally work in shit every day. Um, the, the people that build our schools and our factories, the people that maintain them, the people that deliver essential goods and commodities across the entire country and beyond, the lifeblood of our country, of our society. Those people are necessary and we look down on them. We go into a global pandemic and tell them that they're essential 
and then we refuse to treat them as such. Blue-collar work deserves better. It is fulfilling to the individual. It, it is lucrative. It is very lucrative. There is great satisfaction in working with your hands. You know, working by the sweat of your brow, you know, and the strain of your back. Being able to see the physical fruits of your labor to build and contribute to something bigger. To be productive and useful and have a tangible result at the end of the day. There is nothing wrong with that. Coming home dirty is okay. And I would argue that it's even more than okay. It should be required of everybody, not for their whole life, but for a certain stretch of time. Everybody in this country should have to do, in their, in their working lives, they should have to work in a service job and they should have to do a manual labor job. Just like how Israel makes their citizens enlist in the military for I think it's two years. I could be wrong, so somebody correct me. Anybody of the Israeli persuasion, please correct me if I'm wrong. Just like they do that, we should require a year of service work and a year of manual labor. I remember, I, 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 <laughs> I remember, I think when I became okay with that, with the whole idea of, you know, working with my hands and, and showering after work <laughs> instead of before. I was out to dinner or drinks maybe um, with my girlfriend at the time and some friends of hers that she had met through work, I think it was. And we were having a fine time. We were all getting along well. While we were all sitting there, you know, hands on the table and everybody's holding on to a drink or something. I don't remember why, but I noticed that as I went around the table and looked at everybody's hands, that mine were the only ones that had dirt underneath the fingernails. At the time, I remember thinking how strange that was to me. Not because I felt like they had done anything odd or out of, out of character or unexpected in, in pursuing their own career goals and being where they were, all those you know, people that we were with. I just remember thinking how strange it was that there weren't more of me in that bar that I looked around and I didn't see too many other guys dressed or 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 women I didn't see too many men or women dressed in jeans and a flannel and work boots who came in with calloused hands and and you know dirt under their fingernails after we were done at that bar that restaurant i remember going home and and telling uh telling my girlfriend that i had noticed that and and she automatically assumed that i was feeling bad about it which which i wasn't 
but it just I, I appreciated what she was saying, but just struck me that, you know, her automatic reaction was to assume that I was feeling crappy after noticing. And I wasn't. And I, I, I think that was the moment at which I started to have all these thoughts about, you know, what we're talking about today. I mean, prior to that moment, I do remember definitely, like before I even got into the electrical trade, I definitely remember feeling ashamed of, of what I had failed at. Not wanting to speak to strangers or family or, or even friends about what struggles I had had and how, in my eyes, I had dropped the ball. Um, and, and I alluded to that before in another episode, like there was just times when I felt like I couldn't say anything to anybody about how I was struggling. Um, and a lot of that was shame. The quote unquote fall from grace had fucked me up mentally. Um, and one of the shittiest parts about that is I was taught to be ashamed like that is what we were taught as children. If you can't succeed in this college environment, if you can't get your higher education and get a cushy desk job, you are lesser. You should be ashamed. God, that's a hard thing to hear. When you're a kid and when I had dropped out of school, I was 21. I'm still a child. I could drink and die for my country, as dumb as that is, but I was a child. That's a hard thing to have to come to terms with. I want to shout out to the kids here. If you are young enough where you are looking at what your life is going to be like after high school, or you're looking at what you want to do, you know, for a job or where you want to go to school or what what your life is going to be like. I want to tell you some stuff. You are responsible for educating yourself on the matters that we talked about today. That might be hard to hear and it's not ideal, but the fact of the matter is that the adults in this country your mentors, your guide, guidance counselors, your teachers, your parents, they are trying their best, but they are not giving you enough to make good decisions. It's not their fault. They're working with what they have, and a lot of times they're working within the constraints of a system that doesn't allow or promote options. But they are not giving you enough. The information that you need to make informed decisions about your life is out there and you just have to look. The internet is the greatest thing that mankind has ever invented. It's the the number one modern of the modern world. I'm sorry. It's the number one marvel of the modern world. You can find any bit of information you want and there are people out there that you can get in touch with that are able to, to give you guidance and suggestions and help you on this path and i if i can toot my own horn again toot toot i'm one of those people if you are 
in need of help, please reach out. Please do your research. You can email me at uh, the email address listed on my website on on the podcast website, your X B F podcast at gmail.com. Uh, and if you go to my my website, you'll see it at the bottom. You can ask me anything in regards to literally anything, but specifically this time, if you want information about trades, skilled trades, education, uh, higher education, uh, being in a union, what unions are, um, man, anything we talked about today, please reach out. I have actually tried to reach out on my own to a couple different high schools, my own high school being one of them, I get stonewalled a lot. Uh, and that's, you know, the sad and honest truth is that there's a reason that we're not talking about this stuff in high school. And it's, man, as hard as it is, kids, <laughs> children, it's up to you to figure this stuff out. I'm sorry. And that sucks because, you know, we're supposed to be guiding you. But that's that's the truth. If I had any advice other than get educated and get informed and start asking questions, it would be take a bloody gap year after you graduate high school. <laughs> take some time and get a part-time job and save up a little bit of money if you have the opportunity and, and get a shitty cheap car and go explore. The United States is enormous, and you could spend probably your whole life just traveling throughout this country. And we have that beautiful interstate highway system. Thank you to President Eisenhower, if I'm not mistaken. Utilize it. We don't have border crossing checkpoints for the most part, except for those garbage southern states. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But not really. But I'm kidding. Uh, so go travel, explore, um, go work in another state for half the year. Do, do something to give yourself some life experience. Even go travel. If you have the means, please go travel outside the country. I haven't had the means until very, very recently, last couple of years, to do that. And you can bet your ass that in my near, my short term goals is get out of the country where it's safe fucking covid um and now war with russia and ukraine god i don't even have time to talk about that right now <laughs> but you can bet your ass i'm gonna try and travel uh now that i can do that and then come back and decide what you want to do if you want to go to school go for it please do it smartly uh, take a book out of my friend Alex's, no, what's the phrase? Take a page out of my friend Alex's book. And if you can work while you go to school, go to an in-state school, in school and support yourself while you go and, and graduate debt-free. Please, please don't get student loans. I feel like I barely talked about student loans and how predatory those are. Honestly, that is probably a whole episode in itself. Um, but yeah, take that gap year and then 
whatever you want to do get some actual guidance please reach out and make a decision make an informed decision so i'm going to leave you with a quote like i like to do this one also comes from mike rowe because this whole episode i'm just going to dedicate to mike rowe thank you for saying what you're saying and doing what you're doing we need more people like you he said that in this country the skills gap is a reflection of what we value this idea of a skills gap is because we have cultivated it the gap did not appear for no reason there is a skills gap because we stopped pushing these necessary good paying satisfying fulfilling jobs we stopped pushing those in order to promote banks lending money to children that they would have to pay back for the rest of their life think about that one actually lastly i'll leave off on this i just thought of something funny and i'm sure my parents have thought about this as well <laughs> when i was a kid like young lego was my jam i spent hours building and creating and designing and fixing and tearing apart and rebuilding legos shout out to lego for for inventing the best toy of all time <laughs> and i remember you know at some point as i got older as i entered high school i stopped really you know being interested not so much that i didn't like them anymore it just you know is one of those things that you kind of cast aside as childhood fades behind you or you think it's fading behind you <laughs> um and even as a child i remember people telling me in my family and friends and teachers that i remember being told that i would you know make a good engineer or you know a good architect uh any something something you know involved with building what they never said was i would make a good construction worker <laughs> looking back i know why they said that said it that way it just makes me sad because i could that that could have been something that i was told you know as a child justice the thing that you love doing you could continue to do that you could make a living out of building legos <laughs> except your legos will you know not be made out of plastic they'll be made out of steel and wood and 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 electric circuits <laughs> uh and also just as a quick funny side note as i sit here recording this podcast i look over to the right on the other side of my office and there's two shelves full of lego sets <laughs> and guess what i bought those big ass expensive lego sets with my 
awesome government job money. For all you haters out there, that's how I got it. They're sitting there on the shelf because I decided to be a construction worker and build Legos as an adult. And it pays well. And and here I am doing what I wanted to do in the first place as a child. <laughs> uh, moral of the story is you can do it too. And I'm here to tell you how. Okay, with that, I'd like to remind everybody that your ex-boyfriend's podcast can be found on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Podbean, where it's hosted. For all you Apple people out there, I'm sorry. I don't know what's going on. Apple customer service is hating on me right now, and I cannot get the dang podcast to show up on Apple Podcasts. Um. I'm in the troubleshooting phase of that, but I literally have to just wait for people to contact me after I send out those emails to them at customer service or I give them a call. Um, I'm sorry that it's not out on Apple Podcasts yet, but it's coming as soon as it, I can get it out there, the better. The sooner I can get it out there, the better. Um, as I said last week, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, ideas, you just want to shoot the shit. This podcast has an email that you can reach me at. It is your XBF podcast at gmail.com. It's on the podcast website on Podbean um, at the bottom of my page. Uh, it's uh, your XBF podcast, Yankee, Oscar, Uniform, Romeo, Echo, X-Ray, Bravo, Foxtrot, Papa, Oscar, Delta, Charlie, Alpha, Sierra, Tango. Your XBF podcast at gmail.com. Feel free to reach out. Also, coming up, look sometime this week for some social media accounts from me um, for this podcast. I'm, I'm working on an Instagram and a Facebook page to promote, to better promote this podcast and hopefully that'll be the primary way that it spreads y'all can text your friends the link to my social media <laughs> okay and for real this time last last thing i'm serious this is the last thing anyone who wants to blame the skills gap or or any troubles that we see in today's society on the children can come at me fight me <laughs> if i hear from anyone millennials are killing the xyz industry fight me if i hear anybody complaining about gen z being whiny or entitled or soft come fight me <laughs> Who do you think is raising the children? Serious question. We all know the answer. If you don't think that each successive generation is a product of the one before, get at me. <laughs>
And on that note, we're going to end it. So I will talk to y'all next Sunday. Have a good week. And until that time, take care of yourselves. Take it easy.